Brothers and sisters, please give your attention over to the reading of God's holy and inspired word, for it is the very word of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. This is God's holy, inspired word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given to us a sure and infallible word, one that we can stand upon and rely upon. And thank you that as your word is preached this morning, that it will likewise be sure and reliable. Because it is the very word of Christ, Lord, help us this morning to hear to rejoice in the privilege that we have in hearing, to give you glory as we believe, and to obey all that we hear. Lord, I decrease that you may increase, be glorified in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. welcome you on this Lord's Day Sabbath as we... Come now to the end, near to the end, of our series on liturgy. Uh, We will continue with Revelation in about two or three weeks, and then Pastor Isaiah will pick up his teachings in Christology in a few weeks. Today, with God's help, brothers and sisters, we shall consider the preaching of God's Word in the order of worship or liturgy. What happens when the Word of God is opened and proclaimed in the hearing of the saints. What is the Word of God? And what does God's Word preached, what does it accomplish? By the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus speaks through His ordained servants, and He saves sinners. Through the preached Word, God sanctifies saints. Through the preached word, God instructs our minds. Through the preached word, God increases our faith, our hope, and our love. The preached word is the ordained means by which God dispenses grace to His people. It is a gracious work of God to save sinners. This is accomplished through the preaching of God's word, through the preaching of the gospel. It is a gracious work of God to further set apart His people in doctrine and in life. This is accomplished through the Word of God rightly preached and rightly divided. It is a gracious work of God to increase our hope, our faith, our love in Him and for Him. This is accomplished when we hear, believe, and obey the preached Word. The Word of God, specifically this morning, the preached Word, is a means of grace. God Himself speaks to His people through the message of the minister. I believe that you and I have been given a steady diet on what is accomplished when the Word of God goes forth. And not that we could not stand to be reminded of those things, because we often will be. Today, though, I thought it would be helpful and even necessary for us to spend more time on matters that maybe we have not pressed into as much as others. So then this morning, with God's help, we will consider just two points concerning the privilege and responsibility of hearing the preached word. The privilege and responsibility of hearing the preached word. Uh, Number one, the preached word is the word of Christ. The preached word is the word of Christ. Again, our text for today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. 
which also performs its work in you who believe. You'll need to be there in 1 Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church of Thessalonica, commends the church, the saints. Why? For the manner in which they received the message of the minister. When the saints of Thessalonica heard the word, they did not just affirm its truthfulness. They did not just say, oh yes, that's true. For them, it was something much more. While Paul and his co-laborers, Silvanus or Silvanus and Timothy, were among Thessalonians, Paul says that they did not come to them with flattering speech. Paul says they did not come with a pretext for greed. Nor did we seek glory from men, they say, either from you or from others. Even through, even though, as apostles of Christ, Paul says, they might have asserted their authority. Paul says, but we prove, listen to what he says, but we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Verse 8, having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our lives, because you had become very dear to us. Paul says they were devout, upright, and blameless, the elders. Notice that Paul describes the elders as being motherly. They cared for the church like a mother tenderly cares for her children. Uh, Brothers and sisters, that is not often the kind of description that most of us think about when we think about uh, our elders. We most often don't think of them as motherly. We most often think of them as manly. Paul doesn't stop there though, does he? Paul says that they were also like fathers. Fathers who exhort, encourage, and implore them to walk in a manner worthy of God. And I hope that you see the balance here. This is not going to be a sermon about the qualities or characteristics of your elders, but they should be ever increasing in your elders. And that is this. The work of an elder is to be both mother and father. That is, he is to be a tender man. He is also to be a man who is willing to exhort. A man who is willing to encourage and implore. He must know when to gently love and he must also know when to firmly push. The point is that there must be uh, these characteristics in the person who speaks God's word. The message must be delivered by one who meets these qualifications of being a messenger. Paul continues then. For this reason, again, we, that is the elders, constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. The saints of Thessalonica, Thessalonica, they examine the lives of the apostles, or the apostle and his co-laborers, And they also examined their message. The message was not from perfect men. Let's make that clear. No one expects elders to be perfect. But there should be a standard that elders are continually aspiring, continuing to aspire to grow in. The saints also examined their message. And upon examination of their message, they received the preached word not as a message from men, but as a message from God. Paul commends the church for the discernment that had been given to them by the Spirit. And it is this, that when the man of God preaches God's word, God himself is speaking. Uh, Let me say that again. When the man of God preaches God's word, God himself is speaking. The church of Thessalonica sets an example for all of the saints of God to follow. They did not view the word of God as a word from men, but as a word from God. I'm going to say this over and over again in this sermon. The preached word is the word of God. When the word is preached rightly and faithfully, God himself speaks. Brothers and sisters... This is no moot point. The Lord Jesus Christ 
actually and literally speaks to us through His Word. The early church believed that when the apostles preached, the voice of Christ could be heard. They believed that Christ's voice was heard through the voice of the apostles. That when the Word was rightly and faithfully declared, there was a voice within a voice. This is not new to your ears. You've heard this before. But I wonder if seeing this confirmed in Scripture may be new to your eyes and ears. Prove it to me this morning. Prove to me that when you preach God's Word rightly and faithfully, it is not just your Word, it is the Word of Christ. If you are like me, you may have reasoned, well, this this may be only in reference to the preaching of Paul. Because we can... We can say it makes sense that Paul's preaching is like hearing the voice of Christ, but I wouldn't wouldn't go so far to say that Antonio or Isaiah's preaching is, is the voice of Christ. I'll go as far as Paul, but not as far as Isaiah or Antonio. Paul says, For this reason, we, not I, we, constantly thank God that when... You received the word of God which you heard from, listen, look at your word, from us, not from me. Paul doesn't isolate himself as the only one who is preaching God's word, and when the word is preached, who speaks on behalf of God. Paul says, us and we. He says, you accepted it not as the word from a man, but from men. Not as a word from men, but from God, I should say. But for what it really is. The word of God. Which also performs its work in you who believe. Paul speaks not only of himself. Paul speaks of Salvanus. That the preaching of Salvanus, and many of you have never heard of Salvanus. But the preaching of Salvanus is the word of God when Salvanus preached rightly and accurately. Paul says... And you've never heard a letter from Timothy. You've never seen one word from Timothy. That when Timothy preached, Timothy's word was the word of Christ preached to the saints. Paul equates the preaching of his co-laborers as also being the word of God. When God's men faithfully proclaim God's word, God himself speaks. Let's draw this point out further. Consider the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He says to the church there in Ephesians 2.17, And he, uh, he could rightly be called Christ, when Christ came and preached to you peace, you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. Brothers and sisters, how is it that Christ came and preached to the church of Ephesus? When the church of Ephesus, the Christian church, did not exist in the days of Christ. But yet Paul says here in Ephesians that Christ came and preached to them. To them who were far away. To them in Ephesus and also to them who were far away. How is it possible that Christ has come and preached to them? When did Christ come and preach to them? Paul is not speaking by way of metaphor. Paul's not speaking hyperbole. Paul testifies that Christ came and preached to the church of Ephesus. When, dear saints, did Christ come and do so? Christ came and spoke to the church of Ephesus when the men that have been called to Ephesus rightly and accurately preached the word of Christ. The voice of Christ was heard by all of those who had ears to hear. Consider the words of our Lord when the Jews pressed Him about His identity, saying to Him, in John chapter 10, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Just tell us who you are. Our Lord, in verse 25 of chapter 10, answered them, I told you, but you do not believe that the works that I do in my Father's name, they testify about me. He said, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. And then he adds something that all of us have heard before. All of us have heard before. My sheep hear my voice. 
I could take a poll right now and say, how many of you have ever heard that verse? And all of us would raise our hands. I've heard that verse before. My sheep, Christ says, hear my voice. He says, I know them and they follow me. Christ says, and I give eternal life to them. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters. Is it still true that the sheep of Christ still hear His voice? Was it only true that the sheep of Christ heard the voice of Christ when Christ assumed our flesh and walked the earth? Was it only true then that the sheep of Christ heard the voice of Christ? Or has it been true that the sheep of Christ have always heard the voice of their shepherd from the time of his incarnation, ascension, and as we wait for his glorious return? Is it always true? And if it is always true that we still hear the voice of our shepherd, how, pray tell, is it true that you and I still hear the voice of Christ? I submit to you on the proof of God's holy inspired word that when the word of God is read, when the word of God is preached rightly and accurately, the sheep of Christ still hear the voice of their shepherd and they are saved. How were you saved? You heard the voice of your shepherd. How did you hear the voice of your shepherd? You heard it through one that was called by Christ to go and speak on the behalf of Christ all of the words of Christ. And the result was, you were saved. 1 Peter 4.11, the Apostle Peter says, whoever speaks, that word whoever is important, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belongs the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. That first word, whoever, it's an important word. It doesn't mean whoever. It is those who have been gifted. It is those who are responsible to declare the utterances or the word, the message of God. Who are the whoever? They are the men whom God has called to preach and proclaim His Word. When we speak, we must be mindful that we are speaking on behalf of God. The minister is a herald. You've heard the word herald before. The minister is a herald. The herald was one who would announce to the people everything that had been decreed by the king. He would say, hear ye, hear ye. On authority of the king. And as he proclaimed, his words were as good as the king's because they were the king's words. The herald was not the king, but only spoke what the king would have him say. So this morning, your ministers will come and we will be a type of herald. We will be saying, hear ye, hear ye, all that God has said. Hear, believe, and obey. When the herald spoke, though he was not the king, his words were spoken as if the king himself were speaking. He stood as the representative of the more powerful, the one with absolute authority. He he comes as a sent one, as one who speaks on behalf of, and so it is with the minister, the one who stands and proclaims God's holy word. He is a herald who speaks on behalf of God. Jonathan Cruz this message belongs so intimately to Christ that though it is that it is as though he were the one on the pulpit. Uh, let me say that again. This message belongs so intimately to Christ that it is as though he were the one on the pulpit. True preaching doesn't present the preacher, it presents Christ. True preaching doesn't present the preacher, it presents Christ. When the man of God stands up to preach, We are being utilized by God to make His Word known. Not to make our Word known. To make His Word known. And not to present ourselves. To present Christ. This is the time when the man of God would stand and give the Word. And and this Word may sometimes uh, seem as foolish to some. Each week, listen to this. The man stands and we are here to listen. 
to all of the words that he says. We are to give our undivided attention. Not because there is something inherently special about this man. The one who stands behind a pulpit is not a so-called leader in society. They are not someone who is coming to give a motivational speech per se. They are coming to proclaim only that which has been given to them. Just as the herald would say, hear ye. So the minister calls all of the saints to listen and heed to the word of God. The minister calls you to engage. He calls you to think. He calls you to contemplate. He he calls you not to be distracted. Not to passively receive God's word, but to, to actively participate in God's word. Why would we do such a thing? Week after week, month after month, and year after year, what makes what this person is saying so important that I must invest all of my time, my effort, mental exercise, emotional devotion, and faith? Why should I invest so much? Because as Paul said, these are not the words of a man. These are the words of God. You have been made to worship God. You have been made to glorify God. You exist to give God glory. And you're coming and actively engaging. You're coming and investing mind, heart, faith, so on and so forth. You are functioning in the manner in which you were intended to function. You are living out the purpose for your existence to worship God. These words are the words of God. They are not the agendas of a man. They are not pet doctrines of a man. They are not our personal gripes. They are the very words of God. And if you are the sheep of Christ, then you will hear His voice. You will know Him and follow Him wherever He takes you. What's the message? If it's not supposed to be our agenda, if it's not supposed to be our gripes, If it's not supposed to be our personal pet doctrines, then what is the agenda? What is that message that we preach? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23, We preach Christ and Him crucified. What do we preach? We preach Christ and Him crucified. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. What do we preach? We preach Christ. What do we proclaim? We proclaim Christ. What is our message? Our message is the message of Christ. We do not preach ourselves. We do not present ourselves. We don't give to you our agenda. This is not a platform for our own political opinions. This is not a comedy show. This is not a motivational speech. Nor is this time to be given over to a variety of stories. We preach Christ. We preach the word of Christ. God has appointed men to proclaim His message. And by the mouth of these men, Christ calls sinners to salvation. Christ instructs our mind. Christ increases our faith, hope, and love. And we are conformed to Christ. Consider Romans 10, 14. How then will they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. The Apostle Paul equates the voice of the preacher as the voice of Christ, with the voice of Christ. And we might immediately say, how is there an equation there? Where is the equation? How shall they believe in Him who they have not heard? How will they hear Him unless there is a preacher? Rightly translated, in Him who they have not heard, that is, that they have, that is, how will they believe in Christ if they've not heard Christ? Who will bring to you Christ? Who will bring to your beloved, beloved family and friends Christ? The answer to that question comes by way of the minister that Christ sends 
and that Christ speaks through. This is why their feet are beautiful. Their feet are beautiful not because they have beautiful feet, because they are carrying the message of the gospel. Because they are carrying the message of life and death in their hands, in their mouths. Brothers and sisters, Henry or Heinrich Bollinger says, the preaching of the word of Christ or the word of God is, with emphasis, is the word of God. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul just said? For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it, accepted it, not as the word of, of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now, at this point, for unfamiliar ears, this may seem audacious for a man to stand behind a desk like this and to proclaim that when he preaches, Christ is speaking to you. Why is it audacious? Well, if it's new to your ears, it's automatically audacious. Who do you think you are? If it's not new to your ears, the challenge is familiarity. I know you. When we talk, you don't come off as one who is like Yoda. You don't leave me speechless when we have conversations. You're quite normal outside of this pulpit. Matter of fact, you are also sometimes quite normal when you are in this pulpit. I know you. You drive a normal car. Whose tires are balding? Thank you, Brother Ray. You are not charismatic. You've seen our homes. They're not impressive. You've seen things on our face while we eat. Last week, one of the elders' pants ripped. We are embarrassing at times. You've tried to talk to us sometimes after services. And we've been tired to the point that we don't really have anything much to say or anything profound to say. The, el- the point is this. You are saying that what you are doing is something divine, but you don't seem very divine. You're right. God doesn't make the preacher Christ. God doesn't make the preacher divine for 45 to 60 minutes. But when He speaks... He speaks on behalf of the divine. For that time it has been given. God speaks through the man. The man is changed with the saints, but the man is still a man. Don't expect the man to be something divine simply because we are saying that when we speak rightly and accurately God's word, God speaks. The Westminster Shorter, the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith and unto salvation. You should rightly esteem the men and men that God has given you. They are your gift from God to help you grow in Christ, but they are not Christ. They are the ones that Christ has decreed to use in order to help you be like Christ, but they are not Christ. Paul was criticized when he came to Corinth. You remember this? They had much to say about his presence and much to say about his delivery. Paul was very aware of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul says, speaking of what they say about him, His letters are weighty and strong. But here's what people thought about Paul. But his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. Paul, aware of the the gossip about him, that he was not a certain man of great stature. He was not a man whose presence would be impressive. Not the kind of guy who, when he walks into the room, all heads turn and look and see, who is that man? Here's a man who would have bore on his body many beatings. 
that he had taken for the gospel. Historically, it is believed that Paul also had poor eyesight. Nothing impressive about his physical appearance, nor intimidating. This was also true about his speech. It was not known why his speech was contemptible or detestable. Uh, some would argue Paul maybe stuttered. Some would argue that Paul maybe didn't speak as clearly as possible. I don't think that's the case. Whatever the reason was, and I'm not going to guess, those who were in Corinth did not view Paul's presentation of speech as being impressive. Physically, it was not impressive. And presentation was not impressive. But it was not goal, the goal of Paul to be impressive. And it must not be the goal or aspiration of a faithful minister to be impressive. Our goal must simply be this, that we are faithful to the word of Christ and nothing more. He must not be seek, or he must not seek to be viewed, the minister, by the congregation as anything other than the servant of the Lord. His appearance and his delivery must not be of greater importance than his message. And his message is the message of Christ. Paul therefore says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech. He said the same thing to the church of Thessalonica, didn't he? I didn't come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Here's what Paul determined. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not persuasive. It's what they said in chapters in, in the second in the second book, isn't it? He's not very impressive. His speech is not very persuasive. He came though with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why, Paul? Why come with such fear, trembling, and humility? Why were your words not flowery? Why did you not use the type of language that would impress? Why did you not put on such a fine display of speech? In Corinth, there were Hellenistic Jews or Hellenistic Greeks. Paul was aware of them. Here's what they looked for. They looked for gifted storytellers. Those who were gifted in rhetoric. Those who were able to gather or to capture attention. The attention of an audience. And Paul would not give in to their sinful temptations in order to be seen as impressive by them. It's still true today. People most often love the man more than the message. I know people who will go to a specific church where men preach heresy, where men have no business preaching, where men are not gifted to preach, but they are there because they love the man more than the message. They are there in spite of the message. It's a shame that some will simply mentally check out of a sermon. One where the gospel is faithfully preached because they happen to not like the man. There are some who care more about a voice, a stature, a posture, a mannerism, a gesture, good storytelling, uh, humor in the message, rather than the message. Paul says he would not give into those temptations, and brothers and sisters, you must not long for them, and we must not give in to them. We must only say, what God has given us to say. Why, Paul? Why? So that your faith may not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Why? Why not give in to such demands, desires, temptations, 
so that your faith may not rest on us, but so that your faith may rest upon God and Christ alone. The goal of the apostle is to lead men to Christ, not to lead men to men. The goal of the minister must be to lead men to Christ, not lead men to men. And you, brothers and sisters, myself included, we must fight the temptation of running after men. Run after God's Word. Run after the the Word preached rightly and accurately. Don't run after men. Run after Christ. If this were about the preacher's skill, the preacher's ability, the preacher's charm, then the power of the cross is emptied. The power comes from the message of the cross. Not from the person who has all of the intangibles. If people are not looking to Christ, seeing Christ, hearing Christ, believing upon Christ, then the herald, he is an imposter. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is not drawing men to Christ, but drawing men to himself. is why there is no room for the opinion of the minister. No room. We only say what God has allowed us to say. Is there a matter going on in the world that is addressed by God in His Word? Then we have authority to speak upon it. But we have no right to come to bring to you all the things that are bothering us. And to try to find some passages in Scripture that uphold our gripes. We only speak what God has said. We might be tempted to think, what's the big deal? The big deal is that God tells us how to worship Him. It's the very first sermon that we began with. We do not get to determine how we worship God. God tells us how we worship Him. What's the effect? The effect is... is, is, uh, given to us in Scripture. When we preach this way, when we worship in this manner, what is the effect? Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts 6.7, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. Acts 12.24, the word of God grew and multiply. Acts 13. The word of God was being spread throughout all the region. Many were coming to Christ. What's the effect? That when the word of Christ is rightly preached by men who are called to the office, the church grows. Not necessarily numerically, though that is also the case. But you will mature in Christ. Not because your elders are charismatic men. It's because we faithfully proclaim, herald the word of God as it goes forth. And as we do, the sheep of Christ hear the voice of their shepherd. They follow him and obey. We must be devoted to those teachings. You and I, those teachings that Christ gave to his apostles, those teachings that have been given to us in God's sacred word, those teachings that are preached by faithful men. For He calls us and uses our voice to be His voice. Therefore, saints, in closing this point, do not devalue this time. Do not see this time as being insignificant. Do not take this opportunity to step out of this place when Christ is speaking to do something other than hear what Christ has to say. Do not view this time as being unimportant. I implore you, give yourselves over to the intent listening to the preached word of Christ. I implore you, be alert. I implore you, come in faith. I implore you, come expecting to hear Christ. You may not walk away, listen to these, look at these air quotes, feeling 
like your world has been shaken or rocked by every single sermon. If we're looking for worlds to be shaken and uh, rocked, I say to you, there's a a hint of vanity there. You are looking in some kind of way to be uh, moved as we once were moved in our former churches. Christ's Word and the truthfulness of it, we'll get to this point in a moment, this is what should move you each time you hear God's Word. This is the Word of Christ. How am I moved? Because this is true. But we, don't wait, ouch, it got me today. Oh, that hurt me today. Back in my former tradition, if you can't say ouch, at least say amen. Turn to your neighbor, slap three neighbors. <laughs> Do not think the heavens, per se, are going to open up. We are worshiping God as we believe in Zion right now. We are in heaven. It began when the minister said, Come. Come and proclaim. Come and sing. Come. Declare. We are in Zion worshiping. One sermon may not be as interesting as the other, but do not devalue what you heard. Your minister has spent time praying and studying. Do not devalue his work. Do not underestimate the time that he has spent thinking about you, praying for you, studying through God's word throughout the week so that you could eat this Lord's day. Maybe... Uh, the week before was for you uh, more personal than the week after but it is nevertheless the word of God the elders are commanded to preach the full counsel of God and if we are commanded to preach the full counsel of God you are commanded to hear the full counsel of God not just the things that you like just as we are not supposed to preach only the things that we like you are not supposed to hear only the things that you like If we are called to preach it all, you are called to hear it all. If we are called to preach it all, you are called to believe it all. If we are called to preach it all, you are called to obey it all. It is the word of Christ. Devote yourselves to these doctrines, to these sermons, to the gift that is your elders. Because in doing so, you're not devoting yourselves to men, you're devoting yourselves to Christ. Secondly, this will be a much shorter point, but nonetheless as important. The privilege and responsibility of the preached word. I'm not going to read our verse again, but you know it. First Thessalonians 2.13 The saints of Thessalonica heard God speak to them through men that had been sent by God. They viewed the preached word as exceedingly great. But why? We have, may have already answered this question in one sense. Because they accepted it. Not as a word from men, but as a word from God. But it really is. Notice though, the apostle gives the reason, this is an important word, why they were able, given the ability, to view the preached word in such a divine manner. It is because the word, empowered by the Spirit, performs a work in you, he says that enables you to receive the Word of God as divine. I hope that you caught that. You are hearing the Word. You are believing the Word. You are even obeying the Word. Because of the work of the triune God within your soul. We would not be able to come to such a conclusion concerning the preached word of God apart from the work of God. The work of God. To this work, this message, many view this message, as I said earlier, as foolishness. But you have not estimated or concluded that this message is foolish, have you? I pray not. Rather, you have viewed this message as a message of Christ, the power of God and the salvation. Let me ask you, how is that possible? 
possible? How is it that you are not viewing this sermon as foolishness? How is it that you are still here listening? That you have not walked out already? That you have not checked out in mind and checked out in body? Why are you still listening? Someone may say, because you're still speaking. Well, are you just smarter than everyone else? Is this not foolish to you because you're just smarter than everyone else? You happen to be more wise than everyone else. There was a time when you and I viewed this message with the same disdain as those who would view this message as being foolish. There was a time when you and I also would hear a message like this and conclude foolishness. Rubbish. Baloney. There was a time when some of us promised ourselves that we would never have anything to do with church. And yet here we are. And what is more, we are hearing the word preached. How many times have you heard the word preached when you did not have ears to hear the voice of your shepherd? Can you remember a time when you said, they would tell me, they would tell me, I would hear, I would hear, but I wouldn't believe. How long did you wander as a lost sheep? And thanks be to God, you are here now. You are, by the work of our triune God, hearing, interacting, engaging, thinking, believing, being put to death in one sense, being made alive in another sense. Dear saints, do you realize the blessedness of hearing God's Word? Do you realize that you and I are a privileged people simply because we have been afforded the right to hear? How long have you witnessed to your family and your friends? And it seems as though they just can't hear you. They hear you, but they're just not hearing you. There's not faith connected to what they're hearing. They cannot perceive the truthfulness of what you're saying. But you can. How is it that you can? You've heard before, and now you're here, and now you're hearing. Do you and I realize the wonderful privilege that you and I have to hear the word of Christ? Blessed are they who hear, and blessed are the eyes that see. Privileged, blessed. Privileged are the ears that hear. Privilege are the eyes that see. The preaching of the Word of God, it's scattered seed. It goes out, and those who hear are good ground. They are good soil. But the seed that falls upon good soil produces good fruit. Are you just good? You just happen to be a good seed, a good soil, a good place for the seed to grow. Is there something good about you that that causes the seed to to say, oh, this is a good place? Or has has something been made good about you? Have have you been made good soil? You and I who were once desert and deserters have been made fertile soil. We've been made fertile soil. We were were Mojave, Mojave desert soil. Nothing good grows there. I'm sure there is good things that grow there. Someone who is uh, specific might say, well, actually, but you get my point. We were once the desert where nothing grows. And God has made you and I good soil to produce much fruit. 
God has mercifully and graciously chosen us in Christ. He has determined that He would make you and I good soil to plant His good word into our souls. That we would produce much fruit for His glory. While those who are deaf, those who are indifferent, are waiting in the desert to be impressed. They are those along the wayside. They are dry ground. They are fruitless. They have not ears to hear. No such privilege has been given to them. But it's been given to you. How often do we come, Sabbath after Sabbath, and take for granted that we hear? How often do we take for granted, Sabbath after Sabbath, that we can perceive and know what is true when before we had no such privilege. What a privilege it is to hear the word preached. Christ compares the preaching of the word of God as a king, uh, uh, the preaching of the word of God of the kingdom of God as a net that is cast out into the sea. And if you can imagine in your mind's eye a net being cast into the sea it reaches so far in distance and it sinks so far to the depths. Christ compares the message of the kingdom to that net. And all those who have been gathered into that net are a part of the kingdom. Think of where you were when Christ found you. The net was cast. And you were not so far out of the reach of its grasp. The net sank down. And you were not so far in the depths that you could not be drawn up. To God be the glory for that. You have been captured by Christ. Through the preaching of His word. This is accomplished as the word goes forth. The net is cast and you were drawn in. Christ declared His word to people who were walking in darkness. And declares that they have seen a great light. You were blind. But now you see. We've not been given a torch in the darkness, my friends. We've been given the Son of God. And He's given to us in the preaching of His Word blessed ears, privileged ears to hear. Listen to this quote by Spurgeon. Personally, I have to bless God for many books. He says good books. I thank God for Dr. Doddridge's rise and progress of religion. I thank God for Baxter's call to the unconverted. For Aliens, alarmed sinners. I bless God for James's anxious inquirer. But my gratitude most of all is due to God. Not for books, but for the living word. And that too addressed me by a poor, uneducated man. He said, someone preached to me, and he was uneducated. A man who had never received any training for ministry. And probably will never be heard of in this life. A man engaged in business, no doubt, of menial kind during the week. But who had just enough grace to say on the Sabbath, Look unto me, and ye be saved all the ends of the earth. Spurgeon says the books were good, but the man was better who preached. The revealed word awakened me, and I must ever attach peculiar value to the hearing of the truth. For by it, I receive the joy and peace in which my soul delights. Praise God for the preaching of His word. Pastor Isaiah said a few, maybe weeks or months ago, our preaching, our sermons may only last a generation or two and then we will be long forgotten 
But the message that was preached, it will last in the souls of those who heard it for eternity. We're not here to be popular. We're here to simply proclaim the message of Christ and then move on to glory. You you and I have been given the most precious of privileges, dear saints, but it's not without responsibility. God has not only given us His words so that we can be hearers only, no, but God has given us His words so that we can believe and obey all that God has said. I and Pastor Isaiah are responsible to study, to pray, and to preach. You are responsible to hear, to believe, and to obey. We both have responsibilities. Dear saints, I pray that as you are hearing the Word of God preached, that you are making preparation to hear the Word of God. That as you are preparing yourself to come and hear the Word, that you are also making preparation in your soul to come and hear the Word of God preached. That you are not simply just attending. That you are saying as you are preparing this morning to get ready, Lord, prepare me, prepare my heart to receive your word. As we make preparation to come to the Lord's Supper, I pray that you make preparation to hear the word of God preached. I pray that your prayer would be something like this, Lord, give the minister whom you have given to me, give him your words. Give the minister, help him to speak your word faithfully. Let him uh, be clear this morning. Help him, Lord, preach to me in a manner that would help me put sin to death and make me alive in Christ. Quicken my soul today as your word is preached. Do you pray that? Something like that. Anything like that. Before you come to hear the word of God preached. That we would ask God to prepare our hearts to hear his word. John 8, 47, Christ says, He who is of God hears the word of God. The Lord's teaching, the Lord was teaching the crowd, and as He's teaching the crowd, a woman shouted out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Our Lord responded, On the contrary, Luke 11, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It is not only your responsibility to hear, brothers and sisters, Young ones, older ones, whatever age you are, you're not just called to hear, you're called to obey. You're not just called to listen, you're called to do. It's not enough to listen, you must obey. And you must believe that which you've heard. Actively participate. As the Word of God is preached... It's good when you wrestle with God's Word as the Word of God is preached. Brother, uh, a brother said to me recently, I, I most often find my wrestling when you, you and Pastor Isaiah first begin your sermon. That's a wonderful thing. As the Word goes forth, you should begin to wrestle. It shows that you're reasoning. It shows that you're engaging. It shows that you are contemplating all that you hear so that at the end you might assent to believe. We must not merely be hearers, we must be believers and doers. Romans 1 14, about 10 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him, him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? We are called to declare, you are called to hear, believe, and obey. Evidence that you have heard, evidence that you have believed, is obedience. James one twenty two: Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Jesus said, if you love him, you will keep his commands. As the word is preached, rejoice that you hear and believe. But put into practice all that you hear and believe, or you have not heard and you have not believed. Obedience is rooted in love. Why do you obey? Because we love. Because we have great devotion to God. Dear saints, let us receive the word preached for what it is, the word of God. Let us rejoice for the privilege of hearing. Let us believe all that we hear. And show evidence that we believe by our obedience. For obedience is rooted in our love for Christ. 
Praise be to God for His preached Word. And I pray that every time a herald comes, whoever they are, as long as they faithfully and accurately preach God's Word, that our ears, by the help of the Holy Spirit, would be wide open to hear, believe, and obey. Let us pray.